0: I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Tuesday, May 24th, we're studying Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 48. At Cornelius' house, Peter proclaims the truth that salvation won by Jesus Christ is for the Gentiles just as much as it is for the Jews. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ, as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair. Pastor Boisclair serves at Bethesda and Faith Lutheran Churches in North St. Louis County, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Sharper Iron.
1: Oh, it's it's wonderful to be here and sharpen our iron.
0: <laughs> That's right. So, Pastor Boyce Claire, we come to—I hesitate to call it the main event—but it's—but Acts chapter ten has been leading to this moment where Peter, as it says, opens his mouth to preach. So, just remind us of the context. How do we get to Acts ten thirty <laughs> four?
1: Yes. Uh, well, uh, the in in uh, Acts 10, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, through Luke uh, records that uh, uh, Peter had uh, been you know traveling through Judea. Uh, he went to Lydda and then into to Joppa on the on the um, seashore, and uh, stayed with uh, Simon the Tanner. And, uh, and then and Peter is very hungry and he's on the roof at it's noon and they're fixing dinner for him, and he sees this very curious vision of a, a sheet as if it were let down by four corners and 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 uh, it uh, comes down to, uh, to in front of peter and and uh, he hears a voice that says uh, peter arise uh, and kill and eat and and in this uh, particular vessel uh, is our, our unclean animals like probably like reptiles and and in uh, anything that is not kosher you might say uh, among the, the Jews of, of Peter's day and, and and Peter says absolutely not I've never eaten anything that's uh, uh, you know unclean and uh, and then, and the response to that is do not call what God has cleansed unclean and and then and that that vision happened three times then you have one of the curious uh, events in the um the book of acts which i think uh, points to the fact that the holy spirit is a person not a power or a, a thing uh, where the spirit himself uh tells peter to uh, meet uh some um people that are coming from caesarea uh, and, and to uh, go with them. Uh, and then, of course, they, they are sent by Cornelius, uh, a centurion of the Italian cohort who is stationed in Caesarea uh, in order to bring uh, the gospel to him uh, be, in accordance with a vision that he had seen. And so Peter has, has these um, emissaries spend the night and then, and then he takes off with them up, uh, up north to Caesarea. And then, then, of course, they come into the home and um, uh, Cornelius says we everybody's here that 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 should listen to what you have to say you know the angel told us that you were going to give us a, a message uh, and uh and, and then of course that's where we that's where we're at right at this
0: point that's right so let's have it peter you know therefore we are here in the presence of god to hear all that you've been commanded by the lord that's what peter's here to do so we get the sermon today this is acts 10 beginning at verse 34. That takes us through verse 43 of the text. That's Peter's sermon. We will get what happens in response in a little bit, but let's take that by itself for now, Pastor Boyce-Claire. So Peter opens his mouth and he starts by saying, God shows no partiality. What What's Peter telling us here at the beginning of his sermon? <laughs>
1: Uh, that um god is not someone that shows favoritism or well or in in i think it's rather interesting that he declares by this that god is the the true god of all people Mm. on earth uh that uh, he's not only the god of the jews um and so in in other words he's not limited to a particular nation and that of course in ancient times was believed that that a god of a nation was was sort of limited so obviously he would Take care of the needs of the people of that nation over the God of any other nation, um, and, and of course this talks about how our God is is one that that uh, is totally just and righteous and and doesn't um, uh, you know look at the face. The word the word there is prosopolampastes, somebody who regards the face of somebody. Now this is something that's kind of very interesting in our own nation where there's a, a Danger in the execution of justice—that uh, you know there is favoritism for, for whatever reason—and and God is not like that. In His judgment and His um, uh, rule over His kingdoms, uh, there is there is nothing but fairness and equity.
0: And so in, in Peter's context, particularly that matter of no partiality or not looking at the face, not being a respecter of persons, he's particularly thinking about Jew and Gentile and in God's sight, it's not about whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, but instead Peter says in every nation, as he goes into verse 35, he says, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. What is, what does Peter mean by anyone who fears him and does what is right?
1: Well, uh, looking at that through the I think the real big words here is being acceptable to him. Mm-hmm. We are only acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, through uh, regeneration uh, by his, into His name. Now, of course, at this time, this was this was the Old Testament. So Corn- Cornelius was an Old Testament believer. So he was he, but he trusted in the God of Israel in the and the God of the Jews, um, even as Jesus told the woman at Samaria she he, uh, of Samaria inside. He said, "You know, salvation is of the Jews." So, so in other words, and, and and as as we see with Cornelius, he was a believer. Now, more specifically, it's rather interesting that they use the term "fears him," because there was a class of Gentile that uh, was per, uh, was converted to uh, the true faith, uh, the, which of course would be the religion of Israel, the religion of Yahweh. And uh, they were known as God fearers. So, so we think of by the wording that's used that that uh, Luke uses here, he that Cornelius was a God fearer. This was a state uh, that they were in before they were circumcised. So they hadn't been circumcised as yet. Uh, So, and, and basically, what he's saying is, you are a true believer. In the God of Israel, and you are, and and so obviously the fact that they have been brought to saving faith, they they manifest that saving faith by fearing Him. And by the way, the word uh, to uh, fear of God is is the. Uh, well, it would be the uh, Hebrew word for religion. Uh, you know where where it says the so a religion of, of of a people is is their fearing of some god or other. And so in this particular case, is that uh, this is the true religion, the fear of the true God. Uh, of, of Israel and and also that uh, they, they do uh, what is right and so on. Th- all of that is not putting the cart before the horse. They are already uh, faithful believers and then these works that they do are uh, the fruit of that saving faith.
0: Hmm. I appreciate the way that you put those that language of Peter, in its proper context, because I think if, if you don't put it in the proper context, there is a danger of misunderstanding Peter here that says, you know, as, as long as you kind of do what seems right to you, as long as you do what's right, you, you fear God. And I'm, I'm kind of putting that in air quotes right now. You're going to be acceptable to God. But but Peter's language here is pretty specific that he's he's talking about faith in the God who has revealed himself in Israel. He's he's talking about a very specific type of faith that can only be fulfilled in what Jesus has done.
1: Exactly, and and you know because uh, uh, people could use this passage to uh, you know support universalism, uh, where where uh, you know it's just it just so happens that god is just called by a different name by uh by the uh I- by islam or by hindus or by uh shintoists or whoever uh, that that um you know it, it's just if if people are good then then they're acceptable to god this is like what in in the roman catholic theology of vatican ii they called anonymous christianity mm-hmm. where where um well people uh that that might be uh, Muslims, or or they might be Hindus, or Confucianists, or Buddhists. Are they're they're going to heaven too because they're they do good, they they are, are they do right, and they're acceptable to God by their by their works.
0: Hmm. And just to be clear, that's not what Peter's preaching here. <laughs>
1: exactly exactly that's but it's it's it, you know it's rather kind uh, it, it's rather interesting as, as we see how people like to use scripture and don't read it in context
0: right right and that's i think that's why it's important to make sure then that you don't stop say at verse 35 just to to hear verses 34 and 35 and god doesn't you know no partiality he doesn't care as long as you kind of do what's good then then you're great in his sight that's not what peter's saying and and you know that for a fact because of the old testament context that you laid out for us and because of the way peter preaches he he gives to cornelius and all those gathered with cornelius now this this apostolic preaching that he's been giving all along concerning jesus and you know we've heard peter preach sermons on multiple occasions in the book of acts and so we we've heard him do this before and he's going to do it again so yes god receives no matter Jew or Gentile, those who have faith. And now how does he do that through this one through Jesus Christ? So verse 36, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And I think there's a really, it's, it's put in parentheses in the ESV, but I do think it's, it's so important. He is Lord of all. I think that's a really key statement that Peter makes, particularly in the context of preaching to these Gentiles, including Cornelius.
1: It's kind of that, that um, parentheses there is not in the original text. It, it's just that it's, it's kind of like it it it's, uh, doesn't follow uh, you know they have to, uh, they have to uh, punctuate it in a certain way. It is in the, it is in the text. you know what's interesting that FF F. Bruce in his commentary on Acts says that these words are, seem to be a little bit unintelligible but if you were to translate these words into Aramaic, which is probably what Peter was preaching to Cornelius, you know, and then they mentioned the suggestion that probably Cornelius had an interpreter there that could could interpret what Peter was saying. Although Peter probably could speak Greek as well, but that the, these words are very can be uh, translated into Aramaic uh, and, and into very uh, you know grammatical Aramaic, and and the point that is being made by that is that uh, Luke is recording what Peter actually preached himself well and i'm just rather than making it up
0: well and I'm, i'm looking at the at the greek too and you know the the greek word order of that that phrase if you wanted to keep it in the the word order that the greeks got is this man is of all Lord I mean and and the Greek word order I and I I'm, yeah. no, I'm no scholar but but the Greek word order often indicates emphasis and in the fact that the Greek word oh, order yeah. includes of all Lord, you know that look look Cornelius and and all of you Gentiles. He is the Lord of all of you too the the things that I'm about to proclaim that happened in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Galilee, these things are for you Gentiles here in Caesarea as well.
1: Isn't isn't that wonderful? And and you know I I just can't help but you know I mean just kind of anticipating in the next chapter where you know where you know Peter is challenged and then and then when he bears witness to what he did they say with with uh, very. Calm, uh, loving uh, wonder and, and amazement, the Lord has granted repentance unto life mm. to the Gentiles. Mm. And then you, you think back to what Jesus said uh, as you go, make disciples of all the Gentiles. You know, that's basically what the Great Commission is. Mm.
0: Right. Well, and and even in the book of Acts, as the way the, the Lord spoke to his apostles before he ascended, that he, he was going to send them forth as witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're, we're kind of in that part of the book of Acts where you're starting to see the ends of the earth come into view for the apostles and, and certainly for, for Peter here as he's speaking to Gentiles, granted within, you know, not too far in terms of geography from Jerusalem, but speaking to Gentiles, you're already starting to see how the Lord is fulfilling that promise that he made that the word is going forth now into the ends of the, the earth. Yes. Yes.
1: So, and as, uh, I think it's also interesting that, that Irenaeus, uh, one of the church fathers from, you know, from the third century, uh, was the one that said, this is the acts of the Holy Spirit, uh, that the book of Acts. It's not necessarily the acts of the apostles, but this is, these are the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's he that's guiding the church. Uh, you know, it, it's he that told Peter, now go with these men, go to, go to Caesarea.
0: That's right, and and as we know from the Lord's own promise, that it is the Holy Spirit who is leading Peter to speak in the way that he is. You know, the Lord Lord promised his disciples that the Holy Spirit would be with them as they gave testimony before whoever it was. This is maybe not a it's not a hostile situation like some of the the cases when, in which they give testifo- testimony to their faith, but but here the Holy Spirit, no doubt, is leading Peter to be there and also then in the way that he preaches. And and as we've heard Peter before, he laid out what happened, what what actually happened to Jesus, what God did through him, and so in verse thirty-seven, he says, "You know, you know, you, you've heard these things. What happened through Judea? Uh, talk about how Peter begins to preach what Jesus did here in this sermon."
1: Yes, uh, he he's he's rehearsing uh, Jesus's. Ministry that was before his passion, before his death and, and resurrection, and and um and, and that that it was probably known to Cornelius if he'd had, if he'd been there uh, at Caesarea at any time. You know that's that Caesarea is like up there in the north near um, Galilee, and uh, so so that this was going on. There there is a tradition that Cornelius is the same centurion that came to Jesus for the healing of his servant or sent mm. to, to Jesus for the healing of his servant. And, uh, you know, where, where Jesus says, I will come and heal him. And then he says, Lord, I'm not uh, worthy for you to enter underneath my roof, but say only the word and my servant shall be healed. But that's, uh, again, that's it's probably a different man. That was a uh, centurion in Capernaum and not in uh, a Caesarea. So, but anyway, it's, it's like, so he's aware of what happened for the last three years of what was going on? I mean, Jesus made a big splash with his ministry.
0: that's right. yeah, I mean, you think about the the number of places where the word about Jesus has been spread already, no no doubt it's it's been there in Caesarea. Peter acknowledges that you know the things that happened. Now, I find it intriguing or, or I think important that he starts. With Jesus baptism, you know, he, he talks about the, the baptism that John proclaimed. I don't know. It just seems it strikes me that that's where he starts his preaching of the good news. And I suppose that's where, you know, that's where Mark starts his preaching of the good news, too, is at the baptism, what, what's the significance of, of the baptism of John, as, as Peter talks about it, and then that Jesus was baptized there.
1: That was the beginning of his ministry of, of being the Messiah. Um, and, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon him in bodily form as a dove. Um, and, of course, this is all in Jesus according to his human nature. So we see a lot of, of our understanding of, of who this man is jesus christ is uh all of all of uh the the, the uh, being an, uh, an anointed or being the spe- uh the holy one of god is, is something that he has as because he is the second person of the trinity he is from eternity uh god the only son uh but in this case it is it is all directed toward the one who is incarnate the uh person of our lord jesus christ and it was you know he probably during the years between he was 12 and 30 you know this would be when when Jesus was 30 years old he he uh, those are the called the quiet years now he was going to begin to uh, to do the the teaching and to the discipling that uh, he would do for those for those three years but it's very significant that you uh, uh speak about john and his baptism because as you said it, it's where uh, mark begins his gospel and and, and, there, and there of course it'll continue to tell us more about that baptism mm-hmm. jesus identifies with the sinner in his baptism why was jesus baptized well uh it wasn't to take away any sins of his uh obviously uh, you know i kind of like to look at it is he puts more into the water than he takes out of the he doesn't take anything out except sins uh you know when we are put placed into the water of baptism our sins are washed away but then jesus takes them on himself when he's baptized by john uh and uh he he is the one that identifies with this with the sinner
0: yeah and it's it's striking too that you know just as Peter begins his proclamation of Jesus ministry with this baptism of John that that's where the church year begins for us still that we we begin the season of advent hearing that preaching of of John the Baptist repent you know I mean and I, it's no I think it's no accident that that Peter starts there as he proclaims to these Gentiles, the good news of what Jesus has done. The other thing that, that stands out to me is, as Peter begins the, the, again, the proclamation of what Jesus has done is the Trinitarian nature of his, of his preaching. I mean, certainly he is, is very much preaching as he says, the good news of peace through Jesus. And yet in that preaching, it's Trinitarian In, in verse 38, you've got God anointed Jesus with the Holy spirit. As, as Peter starts to proclaim the good news of the salvation God has won, he can't help but do so in a a Trinitarian way. And I think that that's an important reminder for us as we think about, you know, why does this doctrine of the Holy Trinity matter? Why do you have a Holy Trinity Sunday right after Pentecost? It's because that's the way God has revealed himself. And anytime you start talking about God and what he's doing, you have to talk about his Trinitarian nature. That's just how he reveals himself.
1: Exactly. And, and, um, that, that, um, basically takes in, uh, you know, you're, you're basically plugged into each of the gospel or all of the four gospels in these words, you know, in other words, you know, uh, you know, look at the Gospels. You, this is the this is the outline of what the Gospels are. And then again, with with uh, the Trinity connected with baptism, it is in Holy Baptism that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, puts His name on us, the triune name, and and that's that is so vital. That's the center of our faith.
0: Hmm. It's a good point. I think pastor Boyce clear to, to see the similarities between what Peter preaches. And again, not only in this sermon, but in all the sermons he preaches in Acts and, and also with Paul later to, to see the similarity between the way they preach and the way the gospels are written in all likelihood, this sermon was preached to Cornelius before any of the gospels as we have them were written down. And yet, I mean, just notice how the apostolic preaching is what was recorded for us in the gospels and that should i think strengthen our confidence and you know whenever we read the gospels you know we know that we're reading the word of god as these men had preached it and then as they wrote it down as well we we should have that great confidence that the the preaching that's been happening in the christian church you know we still stand in that same line as what the apostles once preached to even cornelius
1: Yes, and, and and it's such a such a delight and such a, um, a privilege for uh, us, uh, you know, publicly uh, as as our calling, as the Lord has called us into the office to to bear this this tremendous news of salvation to the world.
0: Mm. So uh, now, Pastor Boyce-Claire, as as Peter's sermon continues, again, he starts with the baptism there in the Jordan River. Now, Peter doesn't skip directly to the the death and resurrection of Jesus. He does a bit of a summary of his, his ministry. He summarizes it like this, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. What is Peter telling Cornelius and the other Gentiles there about the ministry of Jesus?
1: I think he, he's kind of pointing to what our Lord has said uh, in his preaching, uh, repent uh, for the kingdom of God has come near or is is here. The kingdom of God is here. And we can say, uh, which, you know, again, what is kingdom? It, it doesn't mean a, a plot of land or a, a country. It refers to God's um, working in people uh, and and I, I'm I'm of the of the school that believes when the Lord Jesus says that the kingdom of God does not come by observation uh you know so some say here it is or there it is but the kingdom of God is within you and here and in and, and throughout Jesus ministry this was this was really important right from the beginning there was the opposition of another kingdom the kingdom of the devil mm. and and so you hear you have uh, Peter pointing out that that there are people that are oppressed by the devil. You know, God, you know, our God is a God that wants to deliver us into liberty, into freedom. Uh, you know, God doesn't grab us and say, you know, you have to believe and, and I'm going to dominate your life. He's not a dictator. He, he's a God that invites us uh, with, with love and mercy in his gospel to follow him. And he wants to uh, release uh, those who are imprisoned by the devil and by the forces of, of darkness in the world.
0: Hmm. And and certainly Peter is is calling Cornelius and those with him to receive that release that comes through Jesus Christ in his sermon, and they will receive it through faith as we will see. But right now we do need to take our break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking about Acts chapter 10 with Pastor David Boisclair. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Tuesday, May 24th. We're studying Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 48 with Pastor David Boisclair. He served at Bethesda and Faith Lutheran churches in North St. Louis County, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, prior to the break, we're looking at Peter's sermon. We're right there where Peter has proclaimed that the Lord Jesus has was doing good. He was healing those oppressed by the devil because God was with him, that the Lord Jesus brought release from our greatest enemies, from the devil, from sin, and as as we will see, from death as well. Uh, Peter briefly interrupts the account of Jesus life to say what his part in is, is what his part is in this narrative, as well as the other apostles. He says we are witnesses of all that he did. Why is it significant that Peter and the apostles are witnesses of these things?
1: That's what they are as apostles. Uh, You know, the requirement of an apostle is that he be witnesses or a witness of the resurrection of. Of, of the Lord. And, and so, uh, you know, in, in other words, uh, you know, they, it, it, the neat thing about this is uh, like the, the, the scandal of the fact that, well, this happened a couple years ago. You know, this 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 didn't happen in a day of legend, uh, you know, like the other religions, you know, have have legendary, like especially Hinduism has, has you know, that there was uh, uh, Krishna who appeared at this time and, and they wouldn't be able to date it by anything. Our religion is 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 real. It's true. It's accurate. It's uh, historical that God burst into history at this thing. And 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 Peter saying, guess what? I'm an eyewitness. Hmm. I saw this. He he called me by the the Sea of Galilee when I was a fisherman. You know, I worked as or that was well Peter's uh, profession. Uh, And uh, then 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 we saw him as he was doing all of this. So we're eyewitnesses. That that was that would make you know quite an important impression on his listeners.
0: Hmm. Certainly, and and the fact then that this eyewitness account of peter includes not only the ministry of jesus from his baptism through his teaching and his miracles but even then to the crucifixion and especially the resurrection this is where where peter gets to now the the heart and soul of of everything that jesus has done they put him to death by hanging him on a tree but god raised him from the dead on the third day before we talk about the appearances just the what's the significance of that central event of jesus death and resurrection
1: uh that that of course is by god's will you know that's that's and the other uh sermons of peter he he mentioned it even even though it's kind of done by the uh sinfulness of of the jewish leaders and and the romans and and anyone else that had a hand in it uh in 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 the devil of course had a hand in it it's rather interesting that the apostle paul says if they knew that if if the devil and his cohorts uh, knew what they were doing they never would have crucified the Lord of glory, they, they didn't know what they were doing. In this particular case, is this is the center of his atonement, his His vicarious atonement, that he takes the place of all people and he takes uh, upon himself the uh, damnation and the hell of all people. As it says in in the Old Testament, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And they notice that they use that particular language so that they can point the fact that he became a curse for us. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. And that's, that's the center, that's the very center of our faith. It's comforting when Jesus from the cross says, it is finished. In other words, all sins, the punishment for all sins has been uh, fulfilled by our Savior. Uh, he has atoned all sins. And, and that's why the, the church can be free and joyous and just simply saying to all who repent, and confess their sins your sins are forgiven Mm.
0: and and then god raised this jesus on the third day according to his promise according to the scriptures and made him to appear not to everyone peter says but to us again this this Significance of the witnesses, and and these witnesses were were so close to Jesus and saw this so much with their own eyes that they even ate and drank with Jesus after his resurrection. Talk about the importance of of Jesus' resurrection and the fact that he's got these chosen witnesses.
1: Yes, it, well, it, you know, it's rather interesting if you think of the um, uh, what is called the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus that. Uh, 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 the rich man, when he, of course, is condemned to uh, eternal damnation, uh, says to Father Abraham, you know, if, you know first, uh, Abraham says, well, if your brothers who are left alive, he wants uh, Father Abraham or God to send Lazarus back from the dead to, to try to, uh, uh, you know, bring his brothers uh, to repentance. And Abraham says, uh, uh, they have Moses and the prophets. And he says, "No, Father Abraham. But if somebody rises from the dead, uh, they will believe." In, in, and Abraham says, "They, uh, you know, if they do not give heed to Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe if uh, anyone rises from the dead." This is the manner in which God has uh, designed to uh, manifest the resurrection of Christ; that it would be proclaimed as the good news. Uh, you know, it's rather interesting how you it mentions that he is is made manifest. That kind of helps us. When we study uh, the, um, you know, our doctrine, the Catechism, that uh, you know, Christ in the tomb uh, on on the, um, um, the morning of the the Sunday Easter Sunday uh, was quickened, as Saint Peter says, and then he went to uh, preach to the, uh, you know, to proclaim his victory to the spirits in prison that descended into hell. His resurrection, of course, is the act of God making manifest his resurrection Resurrection through his appearance over a period of 40 days to his disciples, and and that's so important to, because as John says in his in his general epistle, is is we have seen him, we heard him, and we touched him, and and we were with him even after he rose from the dead, and so that's vital in in a proclamation. This is real, folks.
0: Mm. Yeah, and and it's, I love the I, I really appreciate you bringing up the passage from Luke 16 with the rich man and Lazarus and what that says about the importance of the proclamation of the word, that that is where our certainty lies that yes, these men did witness Jesus and now they're preaching it to you. And it's that preaching that Cornelius gets. And it's the same preaching that we get still today. So that even though, you know, we don't have an angel who comes to us like the angel came to Cornelius, we have the exact same preaching that Cornelius received. And so his faith and our faith and in, indeed the faith of every Christian is built on that same foundation of the proclamation of Jesus Christ crucified and risen. I think that, you know, just that, that short thing that he didn't appear to everyone. He appeared to these witnesses who now are preaching. What, what a great comfort that is to us, uh, you know, who have not seen and yet have believed. And so we are blessed as our Lord tells us.
1: It's so comforting because Jesus had, all of us in mind, you know, like even when he prayed his high priestly prayer, I don't pray for these only, but also for those who will believe in me according to their word. And 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 he uh, is thinking of us. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet have believed. And St. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And, and, and we are among those people on earth that love his appearing, love his appearing to us uh, through, the, through the gospel, through the holy means of grace, uh, you know, to just uh, give us life and salvation. There's hope only in Jesus.
0: And as peter's preaching continues you know he's he's spoken of himself and the other apostles as the witnesses who now they are commanded to preach and to testify of jesus and particularly that he's the one appointed to be the judge of the living and the dead I, again i noticed not only the the similarities to the the way the gospels are written but also to the the similarity of the the creed the how how creedal Peter's preaching is here. He's basically taken us through the second article of the creed. Now, here we are the judging of the the living and the dead. Why is that significant in Peter's sermon?
1: Well, that's good news for us because it's one of us. A flesh and bone, uh, the same, uh, made of the same stuff as all of us that is going to be the, the great God, the judge on, on the last day. Uh, you know, Jesus says in his teaching, you know, he is given, he is appointed by God to be the judge of the whole, the whole world uh, because he is the son of man. You know, he is the incarnate one. Uh, he is he, he is the one who always makes intercession for us. You know, if you let's say you've got to go to court and, and you know, you, you you wonder how what the how the judge is going to uh, receive you. Uh, you know, a lot of folks, uh, you know, whenever they go to court for any reason, you know, you don't want to make the judge mad because the judge can say, OK, I have a lot of power. One time a friend of mine uh, was uh, had sued someone and, and, and went. To court and the uh, the defendant was of course a wealthy person uh, who just simply said to the judge, "You have no power over the." I'll just and the judge said interrupted and said, "I'll just show you how much power I have." I'm I'm rewarding, uh, you know, the the judgment in favor of the plaintiff. Now the thing mm. is, in this particular case, is the judge is one of us. Mm. Maybe Satan might be the accuser to say, oh look at those look at those uh, evil people. They deserve to be with me in hell. And and and, and then the judge says, uh, no no, I I suffered for them. I paid the penalty of their sins. So the judge is also the the one who has suffered. And for our sins.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that's certainly I think the way that Peter's preaching here with the the good news that this one whom who was crucified and God raised who showed himself to be alive who ate and drank with us He's going to be the judge of the living and the dead. So put your trust in Him because He's your brother. I mean, this is the the good news of, of the ascension that that our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who reigns over all things, He's our brother, and that same brother who reigns now, He will be the judge, and He bears those scars by which He won our our salvation. And so He's the judge of of all people, the living and the dead. And and the way that this you know ser- the sermon of of Peter then as He brings it to conclusion here, you know, He really I think returns. that, That universality of the gospel that it is for everyone to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What a grand conclusion to Peter's sermon.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and as you were talking about the the creedal elements, you know what's in the you've got the forgiveness of sins, in in the Apostles' Creed, uh, there's they're kind of like uh, abbreviated. Uh, when the forgiveness of sins is spoken of in the Apostles' Creed, you have connected with it baptism for the remission of sins or for the forgiveness of sins, uh, well even communion for the forgiveness of sins, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, and 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 so you have. Uh, an apost- the apostolic doctrine which is the the foundation on which are on what, which all of us as living stones are built as uh, the the temple of God on earth
0: hmm. as I was reflecting on on these words of Peter here in verse 43 particularly and just thinking about all the preaching that we've heard from him, in the book of Acts so far. This really seems to be the the inevitable place that his preaching was going to lead him. I, it's thinking back to what he preached on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, where he quoted from the prophet Joel and said, you know, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There in Acts chapter 2, he was preaching to the Jews who had gathered for the day of Pentecost for that Jewish festival, and so, you know, proclaimed Jesus to them, and now here he is proclaiming to Gentiles that same good news that this is where, and, and from, from the scriptures, from the old Testament and from what Jesus has done, but he's, he's proclaiming that good news to, to these Gentiles. This is but I, I just reflecting on the totality of Peter's preach, Peter's preaching, and, and we're not quite done with it yet in the book of Acts, but just, this is kind of where it had to lead was, was to the preaching of the same thing to the Gentiles, because that's what God had in mind all along.
1: Exactly, and and, um, uh, and and it's in a sense, uh, as one commentary pointed. It normally uh, we we look upon uh, Saint Paul, a great apostle that he was on Earth, uh, as the one who had the ministry to the Gentiles. Yet it was God, the Holy Spirit, that guided uh, the Jesus's apostle Peter uh, to be the first one to bring uh, the good news to the Gentiles.
0: Now, as the text continues, we have a little bit of the reaction. What what happens because of Peter's sermon? So he concludes it there at verse 43. We pick up the text again now in verse 44 of chapter 10. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. That's the end of our text for today. That takes us through the end of Acts chapter 10. So, Pastor Boyce-Claire, we need to be careful here so that we understand the words that St. Luke writes correctly. Peter's preaching, and as that happens, the Holy Spirit falls on those who are hearing the word, and they begin to speak in tongues and extol God, we find out later. What what does that mean, that the Holy Spirit fell on them, and then they began to speak in tongues?
1: That is that is God confirming his desire that that these uh, these people be uh, you know in baptized or received into fellowship with uh, the the church of that that of course uh, exploded on the day of Pentecost. Some some have spoken of this pr- particular incident as the. the the Pentecost of the Gentiles notice that it says that the spirit fell on those who heard the word faith comes by hearing and hearing by the preaching of Christ as uh, Romans 10 has it Um, in in this particular case is the spirit comes through the means of grace through the word and sacraments it's it's rather interesting that in this particular case the Holy Spirit comes upon them before they're baptized Uh, Peter in his Pentecost sermon said to his listeners, you know, uh, uh, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and that's, that's something also that's prominent in this sermon, that we speak of the name of Jesus Christ, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, and, and then the Spirit comes upon them, and, and then, and then uh, uh, this, of course, is saying, well, what hinders them from being baptized? And, and that, that, is, that was terminology that was used in the ancient church's liturgy of baptism. You know, what hinders these from being baptized? Much in the same way as our Lord Jesus Christ says, of the little children that are brought to him, do not hinder them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, why we baptize infants.
0: Well, and it's very that language as you as you mentioned is also very similar to what the Ethiopian eunuch said back in Acts chapter eight. He asked Philip, "Look, here's water. What prevents me or what hinders me from being baptized?" Sim, similar language showing up in both places. I think the the connection that you make here in Acts chapter ten and and the way that it has been called, and I think rightly so, the Pentecost for the Gentiles, is really important, so that we don't. Take a text like this, which is very descriptive in nature as to what happened and make it prescriptive or expect it to always work like this. Because on, on the day of Pentecost, you, mean, you think about the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples there. You know, they they were already believers. They, if I can say it this, way, they had the Holy Spirit because they believed in Jesus. The Holy Spirit was right. the one who had worked in them to to believe in Jesus in the first place. So they had the Holy spirit in that sense. But what happens on the day of Pentecost is that the Holy spirit falls on them to confirm something that's happening. And and so, so it is here that when the Holy spirit falls on these Gentiles, it's, it's, it's like God knows that Peter, and as it says here, the circumcised who are with him, the other Jews who are with him, they may still have in their own minds, a barrier to recognizing that yes, the Gentiles can be, and should be be included in the church. And so in order to confirm that this is actually God's idea that Gentiles be included in the church, he does the same thing that he did on Pentecost. He He had the Holy Spirit fall on these these Gentiles so that Peter and the other Jews who were there would know this is what God is doing. It's not a human invention, and we, we, should, we should go along with it. But we don't want to take this as a text as to somehow expect this type of thing to always happen. It's a, a confirmation here at this point you know, really momentous event in the life of the church, Gentiles are being included. God's going to confirm it here with this, with this falling of the Holy spirit, but it's not saying that we should somehow one separate baptism and the Holy spirit because scripture very clearly connects those gifts. And, and two, we shouldn't expect that it's going to work this way every single time when people hear the gospel.
1: Exactly. He's not, the Lord does not man a uh, mandate. Uh, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. That is something that God uh, puts into his own uh, authority or his own uh, decision as uh, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, where it says that God bore witness to uh, to the proclamation. You know, at this time, this, this was a new proclamation. Of course, uh, his gospel is always a good news or something that's new and brought new to people. Uh, God is bearing witness to to the the witness or to the proclamation of the apostles in the, in this way, and and if he chooses to do that in our day and age, that's uh, you know that's up to him, but he's not mandating that this happen. Uh, and another thing to mention is that these. Uh, uh, People that were uh, endowed with the Spirit in this way uh, were speaking intelligible languages that they had never learned or never spoken before. And this, this was something that was miraculous. It was a, 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 a God in, in a sign bearing witness to the fact that he was, uh, this was His will.
0: Yes. And I appreciate you bringing that out about the tongues again, as, as so that we don't lose sight of, of what this gift actually is. Just like on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were given to speak in languages that they hadn't learned, but languages that the people around them actually knew. So it is at this occasion that they are speaking actual discernible languages, not just babbling in whatever it, it might be. It would be like if if you and I were to suddenly begin speaking in, well, maybe you know Spanish, Pastor boyce I don't. So be like if I just suddenly start speaking fluently in Spanish, a language that I've never learned fluently. That's what that was what was happening here, just as it was on the day of Pentecost. That's that's an important thing to remember. Uh, The the other thing that I do think is, is significant is the fact that they they are baptized, that even though this spectacular thing has happened, that the Holy Spirit has fallen on them. That doesn't somehow. Oh, you guys, you guys received the Holy Spirit. It, it He fell on you. So you don't need to be baptized. In fact, that's the confirmation that they should be baptized. And I, I find that remarkable that even as the, the spectacular happens, that doesn't draw them away from what I might say, the regular gifts of God, the way that he has always promised to work. He does that here, even in the midst of the spectacular, he continues to work through those ordinary means that we all continue to receive as Christians.
1: Exactly. That's so vital to understand that. Uh, you know, be, you know. oftentimes this, uh, where it says, uh, you know, John baptized with water. Well, we could say the same thing ourselves as pastors. When we baptize uh, infants or we baptize others, uh, candidates for baptism, uh, we are, we are doing, we're applying the water, but it's the Holy Spirit that uh, is, is the one that works through the water. Uh, it is because it is the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That's why, uh, you know, Ananias can say to Paul, uh, you know, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. His sins are washed away because the Holy Spirit creates faith in in Jesus in his heart through holy baptism. And so that's that's what's being presented here.
0: And and just another reminder, because of the way that this is the way the book of Acts often speaks. In verse 48, Peter commands that they would be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's not intended to be taken as a formula, but to express they should be given Christian baptism.
1: Exactly. That That, that is exactly correct. Um, although it's rather interesting if one reads uh, some of the... Um, uh, dogmatic books, or the uh, the doctrine or the theology, uh, that, that that perhaps it might be acceptable if if one baptizes, they can say baptize in the name of Jesus. However, uh, Jesus himself is the one that gives the formula when he says baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's from the mouth, Of our lord jesus christ and so that is you know we we don't want to create any type of doubt in the hearts of those who are baptized so we baptize them uh in the way in which jesus uh directed us Uh,
0: the other thing that that does stand out at least in a little bit here at the very end is that they ask Peter to stay with them for some days. And, and we talked about this back at the end of chapter 9, when, when Peter first started to, to go visit some of these places, that a part of the apostolic ministry is not just to go to a place, proclaim the gospel, and leave, but they do actually participate in the work of strengthening the saints and and so peter we heard his his sermon on this pentecost for the gentiles but he did stay there and he, and he continued to strengthen the church there by no doubt continuing to proclaim and and extol the good news of jesus that he presented in just that short sermon <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's such a blessing. You know, it's interesting that the Didache, um, which was probably written at the time of uh, when Apostle John uh, passed on uh, at the end of the first century, mentions that normally with a, with an apostle being present, that that he normally just stays three days. Uh, if, if he stays more than three days in a certain area, then then he's not an apostle. Uh, you know, so that's that's customary. You know, and in understanding what three days is, is it that, that you're only a visitor. But if you're there at some someplace uh, four days or more, uh, you're a permanent resident.
0: Pastor Boyce, Claire, we have about two and a half minutes left on the morning as we wrap up Acts chapter 10 and Peter's sermon and the results there in Caesarea. Uh, give us the good news. Give us the comfort that's here from Peter's proclamation to Cornelius and the Gentiles
1: it's it's uh that you know as oftentimes in uh, what the holy spirit has guided saint luke to write for us is that jesus is the universal savior that uh, he is also the savior that uh, removes all sins uh that there is no sin that i have committed that is gr- greater than the redemption that he provides for me on the cross uh, that um, uh, my sins are forgiven, they're, they're covered with his precious blood, and, and that uh, he, in the same way as he is risen from the dead and God, uh, you know, justified him of the sins of the whole world, so also uh, through faith in his name, through the hearing of, of the word of his grace and through baptism, you know, I believe in that universal redemption that he won for me.
0: Pastor David Boisclair is pastor at Bethesda and Faith Lutheran Churches in North St. Louis County, Missouri, helping us today with Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 48. Pastor boyce thanks for being our guest today.
1: Oh, it's uh, just a blessing, and may God bless all the listeners during this uh, ending of the Easter season.
0: I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about Acts chapter 10, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or use the open mic feature on the app to send a message to us. We always love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.